welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rubric Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt of papanew.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, Mama E of ConjureDoctor.com in Los Angeles, California, bringing us today's topic on St. Lucy's Day. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjure, or root work as designed and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and calls into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Ms. Kat and Kajiman Ali. Ms. Kat? Hi, Papa Newt. How are you today? You know, I am very tired. I've been busy the past couple of days, and and I'm just here and just happy to be in kid today. Well, I'm glad you're here, because we couldn't do it without you, hon. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'm I'm glad to know that you are um, with us in voice, in heart, and in spirit. From far away Omaha, Nebraska, the land of someone's dreams. <laughs> so, well, I'm I'm here at um, in Forestville, where <laughs> finally, after days and days and days of torrential rain. Uh, the sky is blue and clear, and the sun is shining. Um, we had a pretty um, fabulous leak in the barn. Um, in all of the stormy weather, a tree branch came down and pierced, as they sometimes do, through the tin roof of the barn. We didn't notice it at first because, you know, it plugged the hole that it had made. But then um, the next day, it kept on raining, and um, people came in and said, hey, it's raining in this part of the barn. So we looked up, and yeah, you could see just a little daylight just around that thing where it had punched the hole. So we put up a tarp inside the barn, because you can't get a roofer to come out in the rain, of course. And the next day, <clears throat> someone else, so I think I think everybody has had noticed this by this time, but Summer said, oh my gosh, it's raining on the other side. And sure enough, there was another hole, which we had not noticed, because it had um, come down and rained into the um, upper part of the barn where we just store extra lumber and and uh, finished, you know, wood and things like that that's used for our repairing our house. An old Victorian house, you need some old Victorian lumber. So the water was just trickling around through that pile of wood, and then. It came down, down, down into the books. And that's the one thing you never want to get wet is books and tarot cards. And they were on top and the books Mm -hmm. were underneath. Well, lucky for us, almost all tarot cards that you buy are wrapped and sealed in plastic. So the box may have been a little damp, a little sprinkly, but open up, 
all you just all those little tarot cards in there, beautiful little plastic wrap were perfect. So for all my yelling and screaming and fussing and fighting and being so angry about single use plastic, I hate single use plastic. That single use plastic, oh, I have to I have to eat my words. That single use plastic probably saved us five thousand dollars of worth of tarot cards that we had stored in the barn. Underneath that, Bible. there were the books. And um, the books, some of them came in single-use plastic and some did not. And um, I think we only actually lost about mm, five to seven books of, of it all. Uh, but um, but there, but there, I was so pleased to see that some of those smaller books had been put into plastic bags and wrapped up, and they were fine. And uh, so the only ones that were damaged were, you know, just a few random ones where the drip came through. We got them all straightened out. All of the damaged books we have now with paper towels between them and a weight of a big box of paper over them. We'll flatten them out, take them out of inventory, and donate them to Yippie. And um, if they're too far gone, they'll be given away for free. If they are just have a little damage and a little water mark on one side, they'll be have their covers clipped and be sold for a buck. So that's mm-hmm. what we do, and that's what our week was like. It was pretty exciting and I want to give a special shout out to Summer who before she even called and told anybody was already moving books in the barn and when she had moved books to the point that she needed help then she called and I, that's quick thinking Summer and thank mm-hmm. you very much um, I also want to thank Althea for all the heavy lifting and organizing uh, Althea Anderson she's a, a wonderful worker and um, everybody else who reported the, the, the leaks, I don't know who y'all were because it was all over so fast, but it was really great. And during all of that, two people walked into our shop, uh, two men. They come in often together. I believe they're partners or best friends. They, they may be um, husband and husband. I don't know who they are. But I don't even really know who they are. But they always come in together, and they always buy things together. And they came in, and they said, do you have anything for St. Lucy?" Oh, and I my went, goodness. Right. whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We haven't even had the radio show yet. What is up? <laughs> so in the middle of salvaging wet books, I'm like, i got to go look for St. Lucy cards. And I found that all of our holy cards of St. Lucy have been sold out. So she's wow. pretty popular. But I'm going to leave that just as a as a thought because I do have to ask my co-host, um, uh, Conjurman Ollie, what, what's been up with him? But it was like my knock on the door. Hey, St. Lucy's coming, <laughs> right? That's so, so funny. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you funny? really do have those those moments of synchronicity. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. So how are like things it? with you, Conjurman Ollie? <laughs> things are things are great. Uh, no no leaks, which is always a good sign. But um, I got to be honest with you, that's like the that's like every bibliophile's nightmare is a leak yeah. spring somewhere in the house uh, and the books get wet, right? Like that's the big one. Fire and water, like the two things, anyone who has a decent collection of books and papers or whatnot, it's like the thing they're always worried about. And so whenever it rains, a torrential pour, you go, I hope I don't spring a leak. So I'm with you. I was there in spirit going, oh, dear. Uh, as you were describing this event uh, in very calm terms, whereas I would be like, oh, shit, it's, it's leaking in the barn. So I was, 
I was, yeah. uh, my heart was with, with that story. But otherwise, I've been doing quite well. Um, I've been, like I mentioned uh, last week, we've had a lot of work in regards to kind of uh, reconciling families and peaceful home, which is interesting because that's kind of been also the theme uh, of the radio show. We've had a couple you know, episodes back-to-back, either peaceful home episodes or uh, discussing how to remove a, a neighbor. Uh, and that's really been the theme of the work. But that happens around this type of year. Always around November to December, people start being really anxious about the holidays. And those holidays bring family. Um, and family doesn't always mean happiness, though it should. Uh, it doesn't always. And so there's a lot of work in regards to, like, can you make sure my mother-in-law doesn't show up this year? Can you make sure that one uncle just shuts his mouth for dinner? You know, so there's a lot of that type of work. Um, which is what I call uh, holiday spiritual management. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. just, you know, you're just, just you're making sure that over here so-and-so sits down and keeps quiet, making sure this other person doesn't cause a fight, and you know so-and-so is going to bring their partner, so let's make sure that the homophobic aunt doesn't say, you know, say anything stupid. <laughs> so it's a lot of that type of stuff uh, around this time of year. It's a lot of kind of managing personalities. Um, but, but it's fun work and it's work that I think is rewarding because you get a chance to keep families together and make the holidays blissful and blessed, you know, blessed, which is always nice. Well, and I, I heard before the show that, uh, the rain that we suffered our little way through is now in Southern California. It did and- make its way to Southern California. Yeah, so that's my cue to bring on our wonderful Southern California guest, Mama E. Hello, everyone from wet Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have the rain now. As I said, you've got our secondhand rain, and we're glad to be, you know, passing it along to you. We knew you needed it. It's the, you know, the the Salvation Army thrift store of rain. It, we, we're done with it. You can have it now. <laughs> That's fine. We can use it. All my plants are very happy right now because we had a downpour today. So uh, that is wonderful. The only problem down here is all these fires we had before. And, of course, you did two up there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, landslides and things like that, that people get flooded. But thank goodness, I think this second batch of rain wasn't as bad as, you know, a previous, the first one. Always the first mm-hmm. one is the bad one because no one's ready. So, right. uh, yeah, so we're doing good, you know, doing good at Dr. E. Uh, mm-hmm. Continue to work. I was um, laughing at uh, Conjure Manali uh, talking about families, and I have the same issue. All my clients mm-hmm. want, you know, ask me, you know, is my ex-husband going to show up? Uh <laughs> I don't want him around. So, uh, yeah, it seems to be a general theme at this time of the year. Yeah, yeah well, you know, it's um, it's something that um, I use as a marker point for my clients. When they say, how long should I work? I kind of, in my mind, I think, when are the holidays? Are we in them mm-hmm. or are we going to have them soon or are we just yeah. past them? And yeah. I tell them, depending on how long their relationship is, you know, either hold out till the holidays or give up before the holidays. Yeah. It's a marker yeah. point for family spell work that's very important. And, um, you know, some people just sort of don't take account of how that works. But as I always tell people, um, 
Halloween is for, you know, fun and spooky, and if you have children, you got to take them trick-or-treating. So if he's got a, mm-hmm. another wife and you've got another mm-hmm. husband and they've got another child, the Halloween yes. will not be together. Thanksgiving is for family. That's when mm-hmm. it, does he not introduce you to his mother and dad? Does he say, I'm going home for Thanksgiving. See you in three days. That's not a good mm-hmm. sign, right? Yeah. And then, then we have the... Um, the uh, the other you know little holidays that come along, Hanukkah for the Hanukkah people, and um, that's always a family thing. Where are the children? I've got to go go back back to my exes and light candles for Hanukkah. Oops, that was not a good thing to say to you, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> same for Christmas. Um, there's the um, the idea of well. I've got to go with these children and with that mother, and then I got to go to that mama baby with those children, and I I got to make the circuit all Christmas Day. I got to go from one house to another, yeah. servicing all my 15 children I had with 10 wives. Right? <laughs> That's a clue that he may just put you on a list later. And then, of course, there's New Year's, and the children are sent to bed, and you stay up late. And if you don't have any children, you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. But mm-hmm. if he won't be with you at New Year's, forget it. Just forget it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the guy won't, I mean, sure, he may not drink alcohol and you may not drink alcohol, but if he won't be with you to ring in the New Year, that, that, you know, he had to work late on New Year's mm-hmm. Eve for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard that. <laughs> so I, I teach all my clients um, to watch out for what I call the holiday marker days. Yeah. Now, speaking of a holiday marker day, we're coming up to one that is an unusual one for me because I don't come from this tradition. So I'm going to really turn it over to you, Mama E, but I'm going to just mention it real briefly, what I know about it. Uh, This is the Feast of St. Lucy, which is going to come up on December 13th. Now, St. Lucy um, was a saint that I only ever, ever heard of when I was a child my mother and stepfather and I were going through the catacombs in Rome and there was Mm -hmm. a a statue of St. Lucy and she had her eyeballs on a plate Mm -hmm. and um, all I'd ever heard of Lucy, it wasn't even a name that I knew was this little child patty cake song that went Miss Lucy had a steamboat, the steamboat had a bell. Miss Lucy went to heaven, the steamboat went to hello, operator, and so forth. So I stood there in this catacombs, I was 10, and I just sang very spontaneously, St. Lucy had some eyeballs, she laid them on a plate, she brought them to the table and told us it was steak. Oh my and my mother put her hand over my head. Don't sing that in here. They're all Catholics. <laughs> oh my God, that's too funny. So I was a I was a little too clever for my own good, and I was taught by my mother never do that in somebody else's religious uh, sanctuary. <laughs> well, and I I also Lucy. know that Saint Lucy is one of the few saints who's revered by Lutherans. Which is interesting because Lutherans don't usually have saints, but they got St. Lucy because at one point Scandinavia was Catholic and they revered St. Lucy and they dressed her up with a crown with candles. Mm -hmm. And even when they became Lutherans, they just never gave her up. She stuck with them through thick and thin. And with that Mm -hmm. having been said, I'm going to turn this over to somebody who really knows about St. Lucy, and that's you, Mama E. Take it away. Thank you. Well, 
we all wonder who was St. Lucy or Santa Lucia. Um, mm-hmm. She's Italian. How about that? Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wait a minute. Of course. Yeah. Enrico Caruso. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's another story. Santa Lucia, Santa Lucia. How could I have forgotten? Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. So, <laughs> Santa Lucia, St. Lucy, she was born in Syracuse, which is on Sicily, on the southeast corner of Sicily. She was oh, born wow. in, yeah, 283 CE, which is uh, after uh, Christ. And mm-hmm. died 304 CE, so she was only 21 years old. So that's why uh, when you see a statue, she looks like a young girl. So, because I always wonder about her too, just like you did. And the 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 plate with the eyeballs was a little bit uh, spooky for me. <laughs> so it is. I mean, it is believed that Saint Lucy was born to a wealthy Roman father and his Greek wife. Now, I did some research on this, and the Greeks and the Romans were very intermingled because they were governed by both for a long time in Sicily. So, actually, Sicilians spoke a different language than uh, the Romans. It it wasn't the same Italian. They have their own version of Italian, at least Mm -hmm. back then. Now, uh, Lucia's father died when she was uh, very young. And her mother suffered from a bleeding disorder. So she betrothed uh, Lucy to a young man from a wealthy family. But Lucy converted to Christianity and made a uh, vow of celibacy and distributed her dowry among the poor. Imagine that. Hmm. Then she took her mother on a pilgrimage to another, uh, to a shrine of another saint that uh, is uh, worshipped in or prayed to in Kuru, Saint Agatha. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, Saint Agatha's shrine was in Catania, which is also mm-hmm. in Sicily. Mm-hmm. So she took her mom there to pray for a cure for her bleeding disorder. And it was very successful. And Lucia convinced her mother to distribute her wealth among the poor as well. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know what she was thinking, but she did. So when when Lucy's betrothed found out about it, he complained to the governor of Syracuse, and he ordered her to uh, burn a sacrifice to an image of the emperor. Mm. Of course, he refused, and he ordered her sold to a brothel. But... Mm. The the legend says that the guards who came to collect her could not move her. So they hitched a team of oxen to her and still could not move her. Then the guards brought bundles of wood and stuck them around her and set them alight. But she did not burn. Finally, they put her to the sword. At some point, either her eyes were gouged or she gouged them herself and to be sent to her suitor because he loved her eyes. Mm. A little creepy. I mean, the story is yeah. pretty scary. So it is said that after she was laying and taken for burial, they found that her eyes had regenerated. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all these things contribute to her sainthood. 
her martyrdom wow. and now a sainthood. So therefore, St. Lucy is the patron saint of Syracuse and of the blind and the protector of sight. Now, the name Lu- Lucia or Lucy comes from the Latin lux, meaning light. Mm. So candles are often used to represent her. Her mm-hmm. eyes are particularly important symbols of St. Lucy, and she's occasionally represented by a chalice or a dish with a pair of eyes on it. Now, her festival is celebrated throughout the Catholic world, but it's m- most popular in Italy and Scandinavia. St. Lucy's feast is December the 13th, and it used to be celebrated on the winter solstice before that. Mm-hmm. And I guess it has to do with the light and the darkness. So they celebrated mm-hmm. her. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. in Scandinavian countries, it is safe that to celebrate St. Lucy's Day will help one survive winter well and will mm. bring light to your long nights. So it's a, it's a ritual every year. The, festi- the festival is led by a young girl wearing a white dress and a red sash and a crown of lit candles carrying palm leaves. She leads the procession of other girls and boys, dressed similarly but without the crown, carrying candles or plates of rolls and cookies. Um, in Italy, traditional songs are sung, and St. Lu- Lucia is a bringer of gifts to children, traveling from house to house on a donkey with her escort. Children leave mm-hmm. coffee for Lucia, wine for the escort, and a carrot for the donkey on the night before. It's kind of a Santa Claus. So mm-hmm. Lucy. Now, um, St. Lucy may be called upon to aid in shining light on difficult or cloudy subjects, to aid in seeing a situation clearly, or to bring lucidity to a situation, and also for helping bringing healing to the eyes. Magically, you can pray to her for increased psychic vision and clarity. clarity. She may also be called upon to bring comfort during the darkest days of winter, both literally and metaphorically. Now, in Scandinavian, um, especially St. Lucy Saffron Buns, I believe they're called Lucentate, are baked during her holiday. They are sweet buns in the shape of an S with raisins in the center of each loop resembling her eyes. Oh, my it gosh. Is, I know. They're really cool looking. Uh, it is customary on this day to do acts of kindness for others. Families gather and celebrate with songs, go caroling, and make paper wreaths for children to wear. Now, um, I looked at the acts of kindness, and it could be anything simple, like help someone carrying, you know, bags, or uh, help uh, give somebody a meal, things like that, just, you know, in the name of St. Lucy. Now, um, thankfully, St. Lucy's sacrifice has turned into a joyous celebration of life and fellowship for the world to remember her. Because, I mean, ultimately, when you think of the way she died and the things they did to the poor girl, 
at least it's not remembered by the suffering, but it's remembered at the moment of happiness, joy, and light. So um, that's the info on St. Lucy, which actually surprised me a lot because a lot of it I was not aware of. Um, so, and also I got the recipe for the buns, if you guys want it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, if you can, yes, if we could have the recipe for the buns and put it through the chat, that would be great. I will. I know you're also going to do a free spell later, but but let's get that recipe in there, too, because these chat logs are permanent archives of what we're talking about. Wonderful. Wow. So that's St. Lucy for everyone. And oh, about the song about the Santa Lucia. The Mm -hmm. song was originally written to celebrate the port of Santa Lucia. There is a port, mm. uh, and like a fishing uh, area. Mm-hmm. And they, if you look at the, um, you know, the song in Italian, it's all about the ocean and the waves and the sun. But being that St. Lucy is so famous in Italy, that's why we associate Santa Lucia with her. But it's actually about a port and the ocean. So you know, it's funny because when I was a kid in school, we, we sang that song, and mm-hmm. the lyrics were, <clears throat> loudly the sailors cry, my boat is drawing nigh, Santa yep. Lucia, Santa Lucia. Yep. Mm. Um, and, uh, but it didn't, I didn't connect it with St. Lucy, really. I just thought yep. of it as it's a place. But, yeah, that's named after her. How yep. wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't there also an island somewhere in the Caribbean called St. Lucie? There's, uh, I think, one of the small Antilles. Yeah, in the Antilles. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. It's one of the yeah. Santa Lucia. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so she's she's gotten known all around the world, um, and uh, very very. Um, oh, we got people in the chat room going. I want the recipe. <laughs> I will. Yes. I will. <laughs> the recipe will. The recipe will be put in the chat log. Yes, yes. yes. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, so um, I'm going to ask Contraman Ali since he's been silent and just chuckling over there in the corner. Um, what do you know about Saint Lucy, or are you like me, much in the dark? Yeah. So I, like you, I the Hoodoo tradition that I was raised in and adopted into is a uh, very Protestant. Uh, we didn't work with with a lot of saints, and the few saints that I have kind of developed a relationship with, or are later in my life. Uh, but Saint Lucia, I've studied, but I haven't actually worked with her. And what's fascinating is that you can categorize saints into kind of three anthropological categories there, or religious studies categories. There are performer mm-hmm. saints, communal saints, and forgotten saints. Forgotten saints are usually uh, older saints that have kind of fallen out of favor, that are not as important, become kind of esoteric. Some of them completely don't even make a feature in, in folk uh, religion. Uh, performer saints are those saints that are known for working miracles. And they, they end up becoming very popular. And you can usually kind of track how popular they are because they'll shift. So, for example, uh, if you study uh, Latin American folk magic of any type, you'll know that for, for ages, ages, St. Elena was the saint that people turned to for love work. People mm-hmm. would always call on St. Elena with her three nails. Uh, and then over time, she was replaced by St. Martha. Uh, and Santisma Muerte as the two big mm. popular saints to turn to for love working. Communal mm. saints, on the other hand, aren't always worked for miracles, though they can be, but instead they're about the community. 
and you celebrate and there's festivals. These are more common in Italy and in Northern Europe where St. Lucy is very popular. And St. Lucy falls into this. Some people work with her for uh, various miracles. But in, on the whole, she's a, she's a, a figure by people which that they can kind of organize around. It's about festivals, and it's about getting together. It's about giving candy to kids. And that's one of the things that I knew the, about St. Lucy was the, mm-hmm. that she played this sort of um, early Christmas role because she was associated with winter solstice is that you would give candy to children during mm. her festival. Uh, and for several days, there would even be a St. Lucy cart in a lot of these little towns that would just kind of go street to street and you would run up and get candy, uh, many of which was a licorice flavored, if I remember correctly. Um, mm. And so there was this kind of and gift giving was the other kind of component to St. Lucy. So St. Lucy has this kind of different function uh, within popular folk religion. She is a communal saint. She's a saint that brings people together. Her story is about collective identity and her story is about harmony and her story is about what do you do with little kids what do you do with family what do you do with home and heart uh, and in this way she she has a very powerful spiritual function um, and as a result has, has spread throughout the world I knew her predominantly through her Italian iteration uh, mm-hmm. northern Italy in particular that's where I was like oh we have, I don't know who St. Lucy is but in recent years you find her everywhere as, mm-hmm. as you both have pointed out, you find her in Mexican folk magic, you find her in various folk Catholic practices. Um, she showed up for me in kind of an interesting way. I saw her as a sort of patron saint in this feminist group that I was uh, kind of an interloper in. There was this feminist mm-hmm. reading group, um, and the leader of this group uh, had really bad eyesight. And so she had taken St. Lucy as sort of her symbolic patron. She wasn't even Catholic. I think she was Jewish, mm. if I wasn't mistaken. I think so, yeah. So she just took St. Lucia, and so she showed up in kind of weird places in my life. I knew her kind of academically. I knew her like when studying folk religion. I don't know who she is. But then she kind of showed up everywhere as this mm-hmm. very accessible, open spirit that people were like, I relate to this person and mm. connect mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to uh, point out something, too, in that um, in running a, a shop, which is, you know, open to people of all faiths, and, and we yeah. try to keep in stock materials for all forms of folk religion and folk magic, that um, the fact that we were sold out of St. Lucy holy cards tells me that a lot of people were buying them. There you them. go. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I do uh, know a number of customers and clients. Now, the ones I mentioned earlier who had come in just to celebrate her feast day, uh, they had no petition for her. But I have known um, people who have come to me needing St. Lucy cards or whatever to carry with them when they were going in for eye surgery, mm-hmm. especially yeah. cataract surgery, and mm-hmm. um, or those, uh, you know, any kind of uh, where they cut your lens and, you know, give you that um, that laser eye correction. And um, mm-hmm. th- so that's probably why we have sold so many of those cards, because people mm-hmm. will put those in their wallet or carry them mm-hmm. on the idea that St. Lucy will bring eyesight to the blind, as it were. And um, mm-hmm. so um, I'd also like to ask, we don't usually get Papa Newt involved in our panels, but Papa Newt is working on a book on Catholic 
folk magic for us, mm-hmm. and uh, which we hope to publish in years to come soon. And so, Papa Newt, if you are muted, could you unmute yourself and tell us what do you know about St. Lucy from your own Polish Catholic tradition or from other Catholic traditions with which you're familiar? Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, of course, the eyesight is, is popular, but it is, uh, I'll tell you, here in Omaha, even though the festival's not done during the winter time, but we do have a um, an area uh, of the Little Italy uh, area of Omaha that does celebrate the Santa Lucia um, festival mm-hmm. in the spring, and it and it is that full on uh, after after the mass, the whole procession and parading of the statue of Saint Lucia down to the uh, Lewis and Clark Landing uh, for the celebration, because what's best to celebrate uh, the patrons their patron saint with family and friends and good food. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is one that I have found even uh, uh, it's just bringing clarity upon situations, mm-hmm. especially in those dire times when you're just not sure what what to do or what direction when your own vision on a situation is um, unclear uh, that you can hope, you know, clear your eyes so you can truly mm-hmm. see the best course of action and, uh yeah, it's, she's fascinating. And I have yet to go to a festival here um, on the Feast of, and I think there is a church I found out that does the whole, um, the young lady with the candles, you know, the wreath around their heads, which I still need to, because in my small town, we never had anything like that. So mm-hmm. I've yet to experience that. Well, this goes, the, the idea that you go down to the Lewis and Clark Landing, and uh, for our overseas listeners, what where is that, and what river is that on? Uh, that that is uh, that is here in Omaha, and that is uh, the Missouri River. Missouri um, River. Okay. So so the reason I say this is that these are Italians doing this, and they're inland. They're completely in the middle of the Midwest. Yeah. So they find the nearest water, and this goes to what Mama E said, is that mm-hmm. there's a port of St. Lucie, there's an island of St. Lucie, and mm-hmm. because she was Italian in Syracuse and Catania, mm-hmm. those are all on the coast, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. inland of Sicily, mm-hmm. um, there was a, a, an idea of St. Lucie as associated with water. And mm-hmm. so they, there they are in Omaha, and they find the, the nearest you know, dock that they can on the Missouri River. Right. That's very fascinating. And I just found, because I was wondering, it's like, well, when did this festival start in Omaha? And this was 1925. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is one of those things um, that, to me, always shows how culture persists and how it will persist despite displacement of people. These these ideas that that St. Lucy must be celebrated at a at a water area, mm-hmm. of, of an area of, of the ocean or flowing big flowing river. Mm-hmm. Missouri River is very large. Um, that's interesting. Uh, you know, now I don't know about those Scandinavians. They're all up there in the frozen ice and snow, <laughs> and they really take her as more of a symbol of light. Yeah. And light. I would assume that there is some Probably ancient pagan girl with mm-hmm. wreaths and head on fire thing that that mm-hmm. they're kind of playing into it. Yeah. So um, amazing how culture will take and mutate and and work with an image that they've been given from an authoritarian or hierarchical, I should say, 
a religion that says this is the saint of that and this is what you do. But then mm-hmm. in each nation and each culture and wherever those people go in their own dispersals and diasporas, they continue to hearken back to what they really knew back in the old day. This is what well, made you know, folk, folk yeah. religion so fascinating. Right. And one thing yeah. about immigrants and refugees is you cannot bring your uh, your possessions, but you can always bring your culture and your beliefs wherever you go. And that's why, you know, the Africans brought their religion and the uh, mm-hmm. Spanish, Italians, Latin, everybody brought their religions, the Germans, everyone brings their religion and their practices because no one can take that away from you. That's in your heart and your mind. So, well, I just saw in the chat that um, that um, uh, Shiva said saffron buns to follow, yes. and I hadn't caught that, that they were saffron buns, because yes. that is so Sicilian to make mm-hmm. rice with saffron mm-hmm. and to make these buns with saffron. Um, saffron is a very, very precious spice among the southern Italians, and um, it is highly valued for spiritual reasons. It is never common. It is always expensive. The best saffron, my my Sicilian, so-called Sicilian grandmother, um, who was, as I believe, to be a converso Jew and was not really much of a Catholic at all, um, but she, <laughs> was, she would always say, because her family was in part from Morocco, and mm-hmm. she would say, the best saffron comes from Morocco. So, you know, she, she whatever. Right. Other people say, the best saffron comes from Spain, right, wherever. Um. But the idea of this this fabulous spice, saffron, that's so interesting that it is used um, in uh, southern Mediterranean as a, as, a holy, as a holy spice for cooking. Yeah. Well, there is our bumper music. Wow. That was fascinating, Mama E. Bring us another saint next time. I love this. <laughs> We're getting an education here. And um, I always love to learn new things, and I've learned about 15 or 20 new things just in this few minutes. All right, we're going to turn this over to Papa Newt, and he's going to bring us in our first reading client. We're going to do some card reading and other kinds of reading for our clients. Take it away, Papa Newt. The Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rupert Tower with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, and this week's special guest, Mama E, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us, uh, let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, pop a nude for the brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first uh, caller. And our first caller is a first-time caller calling in from area code 803. This is John. John, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right. And John, I do apologize. What what state is that area code from? Um, South Carolina. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, looking at your information here, it looks like you have had a reading with Miss Cat before um, in July uh, July of this year. And was this on this particular situation you're calling us here today? 
No. Okay, separate situation. Thank you. And John writes, I tried to stop a situation of being spiritually attacked, and I made a, a disaster out of it. At this point, I cannot even light a candle to ask for protection. I think I did something wrong and am now in need of dire help. Turn back to you, Ms. Cat. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you're feeling so badly about your spiritual position in the universe. Um, I'm going to say something that sounds pretty dogmatic, and I think it is dogmatic. I think that um, there is really nothing wrong you can do in trying to protect yourself. You might have done something inexpertly, or you may have some, done something inadequately, but um, there is very little that God would say is wrong about trying to protect yourself from spiritual attacks. So don't beat yourself up too much. Um, we're here to help, and we are here to give you some ideas and pointers toward um, freeing yourself from the negativity and the spiritual attack that you suffered. Now, I... I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and um, question number one is, um, what sign of the zodiac are you? Virgo. Virgo. All right. Well, you know, that's interesting because that kind of explains Virgos are perfectionistic, and Virgos do beat themselves up for being wrong more than most other signs. So um, if you can release a little of that Virgo orderliness, that Virgo perfectionism, that Virgo um, stress over having everything be right, and be a little bit more, you know, free form with yourself, you might not worry so much. But, you know, you're a Virgo, and that's what some people say, well, you're so uptight. Other people will say, wow, we can really rely on you because you really know how to get things done. Because Virgos are amazing for their ability to accomplish so it's always a, a positive and a negative to every sign. And about how old are you? Oh, uh, 45. 45 years old. All right. So when did this spiritual attack begin? Well, I think it's been ongoing for a while. And then I guess I tried to stop it like back in maybe August and... I think what well, I did was you just say, make well, it see, worse. A while could mean a lot. Has it been going yeah. on since you were 40 or since you were 10, or when about did it start? Probably around, I guess, 40-something, 40 41. Okay. Okay, so it's been going on for four or five years now. Okay? All right. And before that, you were not experiencing that kind of um, problem. Now I'm going to ask one no. more question. Because, again, spiritual attack is a, is a word that can mean so much to so many people. Do you believe that this attack is from a living being, a living person, or is it an attack from the world of spirit? Um, I think both. Both. All right. So you may think a living person has, has gotten some spiritual attacker's in the form of perhaps demonic energy or the dead or something like that to attack you. Is yes. that how you would characterize it? Well, I don't want to put words in yes. your mouth. All right. Okay. Yeah, basically, well, yeah. Oh, okay. 
the, the, see, this puts it in a place for me. You're not saying to me, yeah, when I divorced my ex, she said, I'll see you rotten hell, you son of a bitch, and then she lit a black candle. You're not saying that. You're saying that this came up on you. You believe there's some living people or a living person involved, but that some non-living entity, some discarnate entity, whether dead, uh, formerly living, or a demonic spirit have, is involved. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. I, I ask these questions because this kind of situation, when it's ongoing for more than a few months or a year, begins to trouble me, and I begin to wonder what happened. Now you're saying you tried to do um, some sort of protection, and now you're in such a state that you can't even light a candle, you said. So right. when was that failed work done? How long ago was that? I think back in uh, the end of August, maybe. August this end year. Of August, oh, so this wasn't so long ago. All right. All right. So August of um, of 2019. All right. Now I'm going to read the cards on you. First card I have is the Hanged Man. You are definitely tied, bound, and hung upside down. No question about it. Um, somebody has put some sort of a something on you to restrict you, restrain you, immobilize you. And although this man is hung upside down, he is not being killed. Um, he is tied by his foot. He, his hands are tied behind his back. He cannot free himself. He has a halo around his head, and he often says, I'm innocent. But we also know from looking at the older cards that he is accused of being a traitor because this punishment, speaking of Italians as we were earlier, this punishment of being hung upside down by one foot is an ancient Italian um, punishment for betrayal, breaking a trust, and being a traitor. Now, he says he's innocent. We're going to believe him. We say you're innocent. But that's, somebody believes that you betrayed a trust or that you were a traitor. The sad part about this card is this man cannot free himself. So what this tells me is it's, it doesn't matter if you light a candle or not. You are going to need a helper to get undone. And this is a, a serious card with serious consequences. Hanged man, a lot of people will say, oh, in Jungian terms, it means reassessing your life. No, no, it means you got, you stepped into something, you got hung upside down by your foot, your, or your hands are behind your back, and you, you're proclaiming your innocence, but you can't free yourself. So it's not a good card by any stretch of the imagination as I see it. Um, card number two tells me a little bit more about this event and what is who is doing what to you. So here we have a card that is the Nine of Swords. And this is a card of someone waking up in the night, having had a bad dream of Nine Swords attacking. And this is a person who doesn't seek help. They feel that something has been done to them. They're right. Something has been done. An evil dream was sent in this case. Anxiety, insomnia, something following this person around in such a way that they don't feel relaxed or at ease with their life. They're crying. On the side of their bed is a carving of somebody stabbing someone through the heart, and it's like waking up from a dream where you're being attacked. But this person has a quilt on the bed with beautiful little squares with roses and signs of the zodiac. 
And it's a kind of quilt called a friendship quilt. It means this person has friends, helpers, associates. Someone is there to help. But the person has their hands over their eyes and won't look up and is only seeing in internal vision the fear, the attack that was sent. And this is about getting up and, um, you know, facing the rising sun and recalling upon friends or colleagues, people of all the signs of the zodiac, there are people who care for you, if if not um, immediately known to you and near to you. There are people who will care for you in a spiritual way, in spiritual community. And also this card does have some mental health implications mm-hmm. that says anxiety or insomnia may have been sent as part of this attack, mm-hmm. but now it is affecting you as a mental health issue. And people say, well, isn't mental health different than magic? Well, one of the magical curses you can have is to drive someone mad. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting when people, when I say to people, there's a mental health issue, I'm not denigrating that there was a curse. I'm saying part of the curse was to cause a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? I hope it I does. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a lot of problems here and um there are there is some difficulty in the last card as well. And um what reason I'm saying this is you're going to need um a helper. You may need a mental health counselor, you may need a spiritual health counselor. But the third card is the 5 of cups and this is a card of a person who is grieving and looking at spilled cups, there has been trouble. There has been loss. And this person is dressed in black, and they're looking da- back and downward. They're not looking to their future. They're meditating on their losses. Uh, there's a river with water under the bridge, and across the bridge is a ruined castle. And my feeling here is that without a helper, you're going to start circling back through this, whatever was the trap was set for you. Something has happened, no doubt about it. How it's affecting you, it could be manifested as anxiety, sleeplessness, mental distress, and there may be an underlying health problem there. And the spilled cups um, can refer to, and I'm going to not try to embarrass you or say anything, it can refer to substance abuse, It can refer to having been given something poisoned in food or drink. In other words, I'm not saying, oh, you're an alcoholic, and I'm not saying, or that you're a drug user, but I'm saying that you may have been given whatever curse was done in food or drink. And you need to be very careful when you get this card what you eat and drink because the spilled cups represent, um, in some cases, some people say two cups of wine, one cup of poison. And some people say, oh, it's two women and one man. Well, there's many ways to interpret it. But behind this person who's who's grieving and looking down and going, I can never put everything back together again, there are two cups that are not spilled. There's still good things in life, lots of good things in life. And those cups can be washed out, cleaned, and refilled with more of the good things of life. So there are blessings awaiting you, but your back is turned to them, and you will have to... Um, get yourself to a place where you can um, work with some helper. All right. I'm sorry I ran a little long on that, but this is a complex situation. Let me turn this over and get the second reading. Okay. Hi, John. This is Mama E. 
Um, oh. I pull more cards. Hi. I pull more cards than cat. I pull I pull nine cards, and it gives me a whole little story of what's going on. Now, what I feel from the reading is that this all started with a miscommunication, and words were exchanged that caused this rift. I also get um, the Knight of Pentacles, and that makes me think that the disagreement or the situation had to do with money. There was some discrepancy with money. And um, the other person that you had this problem with uh, was looking at leaving you and not being with you anymore. And that uh, definitely, I got the same five of cups that Kat did. So it, once again, this is the same situation that upset tremendously and made you just dwell on the loss instead of just trying to figure out how to remedy it. There is a fear. I get the devil. And there is a fear. There's something here. The devil also um, indicates that there is, and once again, we don't want to uh, say that you're upset, but it does fall into the addiction uh, department. And what I feel from all this is that they have done something to you, some cursing that has thrown you into a state of depression. And therefore, you don't even feel like you can light a candle at this point. Um, the rest of the cards that I get, one of them is the star. And the star is a great positive card. You do have uh, hope. You have a future ahead of you. But first, you need to um, get help uh, to get through the situation that uh, – has befallen you. Now, at the bottom, I get the Six of Swords, and that indicates that you can transition this, you can move on, and you can uh, find help. And eventually, in time, uh, you will get healed. Uh, the magician shows up. So, like Kat says, you need a spiritual advisor, but I also believe that you need um, a doctor to help you, a mental health professional, to help you with the depression, because this is all part of whatever they have sent your way. Uh, and I don't see that many curses on people. Sometimes people think I'm cursed and they're not. But in this case, it's a very subtle curse that was sent to you, and it has affected you um, first, uh, you know, spiritually and emotionally and physically. So there is hope for you, um, and I'm sure uh, Conjurman Ali has solutions and, and crossings and things that you can do, uh, but uh, you are right. Something was done to you, but you can get through it. There's hope, okay? All right. Well, let's turn it over to Conjurman Ali. Thanks. So uh, a couple things here. Uh, first, you should know that if you do cleansing work, it's not going to make things worse. This is this is very important. Um, I think people have a misunderstanding of what spiritual work is, and they get trapped in the kind of culture of fear-mongering from Hollywood and games and whatnot. That's not how magic works. Now, that's someone might fight you. If you're facing an enemy and you're trying to un cleanse yourself, if you're trying to cleanse yourself or un uncross yourself, that person may resist and try to put that stuff back on you. But things don't just go wrong. Magic is driven by intention. So if you intend good, it's not going to turn bad on its own. So that's mm -hmm. very 
first you need to reorient your thinking here, and that's important to do. Um, and once you've got that, I think you should start by getting yourself a spiritual support system. Uh, if you aren't attending a regular uh, services, you should consider so, whatever your religion is, whether you're Christian or Jewish or Muslim or, or pagan or whatever you are. Uh, find a, a community that you feel you belong to and try to start attending. What this can do is it can ground you. It can help to make you feel like, one, you're not alone. And that's going to be an important component of the work that you do is to address some of the um, attending emotional complexities here as well, the feeling of hopelessness and the feeling of being alone. Uh, this should be complemented by um, uh, any type of therapeutic work that, that would be uh, useful. Uh, then start with getting prayer help. The Crystal Silence League is going to be useful. Put a petition with the Crystal Silence League. Ask that you be aided. Ask that you be given strength. Ask that they stand with you as you remove this evil from your life. And then start with a series of lights to be lit, lit on your behalf at Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. You can get uh, what I would recommend is John the Conqueror. Blockbuster and Van Van. What this is to do is to give you the strength you need in order to address this problem. So we're starting at kind of ground zero here. We're starting right at the beginning. And so I want you to build yourself back up. John the Conqueror, Blockbuster, and Van Van. Once you've got that going, you'll start to feel a shift. You'll start to feel like you're no longer alone. And that's when you'll start your cleansing work. Get yourself basil and coconut water, salt, rue, brew all of that into a tea, add in the coconut water, add in a couple splashes of Florida water, and bathe yourself for seven days. While you air dry, you will light your white candle and pray that you be uncrossed, that all darkness be removed from you, that the candle push back the evil in your life. You will take a little bit of Van Van oil and you will cross your forehead, your hands, the palms of your hands, and the soles of your feet. You will do this for a total of seven days. Every day after you've air dry, gather a bit of that used bath water and dispose off of your property at a crossroads. Repeat as you seem fit and repeat as many times as you'd like. This is to get you started. I do think that you're going to need a root worker or a counselor or a magical coach who will walk you through this situation. But this is sort of a step-by-step -step in order to rebuild the the kind of foundations you're going to need in order to remove this from your life. So start at the beginning, start by reorienting your thinking about this work, and then build upwards from there with the social network, uh, spiritual prayers, candles, and then cleansing work. And that's my recommendation. Uh, I do think that this is going to be a good start, but remember, you're going to need some help from, from outside sources. Wow. Okay. Um I'm I'm really um, looking at this and thinking, you have a ways to go. You have a lot of friends here and a lot of people who will help. Thank you, Ollie, for that really good basic advice. And we hope to hear back from you again, John, as we walk your path and proceed on your journey. All right, we're going to turn this over again to Papa Newt. We're going to take our second caller. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, 
located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next client. And our next client is a return caller calling in from area code 210 in San Antonio, Texas. This is Keith. Keith, are you there? I'm here. Hi, welcome back to the show. It looks like you called us back in May of 2018, and it looks like conditions in that uh, situation has changed, which is wonderful to hear. And you are calling us here on a, a whole new situation. Is that correct? Yes, sir. All right. And it looks like you haven't had any readings with uh, Ms. Kat Contramentally or any other readers. And Keith writes, I am working on a book project on a theory of understanding mental frequency called Quantum Perception, the Mystery of Frequency. I am excited for and working on the book since working on my theory for five years now, but want to know uh, what Spirit says of the outcome of the work and if it is something that will be received and recognized and if it is, uh, what are some spells to help with success and bring attention to it? Turn it back to you, Ms. Kent. Okay, well, again, I'm going to ask just a few questions. Um, I don't want you to describe the book, but when you talk about mental frequency, is this a, are we talking about an auditory frequency, a spiritual frequency, a brainwave frequency, all of them, some of them? How would you describe the word frequency in this title? In my understanding of frequency is more connected to uh, the intelligence of the mind and how it abstracts reality as uh, that's different from how like spiritual frequency is like different emotional states of mind. Right. All right. So, and, and is there a science basis to this or is this more perceptual? It's perceptual right now. Okay. All right. I, uh, now I understand. I just, like I said, you know, I'm just trying to orient myself <laughs> to what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, definitely. Interesting use of words, and I need to understand them. Okay. Now, um, you want to know um, how this is going to be received, and you've been working on this for five years. I'm going to ask one more question before I turn this over to our um, readers. Um, how have you been handling working on the book? Is there a manuscript at this time? Are you writing on this book at a, on a regular basis? Well, um, I'm like five chapters in. I've started last oh. month, and I'm moving towards uh, – I've uh, I started out with a YouTube project, but it wasn't going how I wanted, so now I'm just turning it into a book first. I understand. So you've got five chapters written. Okay. The reason I ask is as an old-time comic book and – book editor, I'm often told to people, I'm working on a book, and I'll say, how much have you written? And sometimes they'll say, I've got five chapters, and sometimes they'll say, I haven't written anything. So I just wanted to place mm-hmm. you on my reality scale <laughs> as far as the <laughs> yeah, book. Yeah, I, right. I, I love now, your book. <laughs> I, know, I, know it's a, um, I know it's a blunt question, but I had to ask. All right, we're going to turn this over to Ollie, himself a writer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Thanks, Keith. Uh, thanks, Kat. I should say, Keith, I have a question of my own. Uh, what okay. sign of the zodiac are you? I might have missed I'm a Taurus. You're ah, a Taurus? Taurus. Okay, steady. Mm-hmm. They make good riders because they work steadily on something. Um, and how old are you, roughly? Uh, 30. Okay, 30. It is important to ask because timing matters quite a bit on whether you'll get a, 
a book out or not, and timing does show up in the cards. So first, the card that I have here is the Seven of Cups, and the Seven of Cups really kind of speaks to where you at. You started off with one thing, a YouTube uh, channel or a YouTube series, uh, and now you're moving on to something else, and and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Sometimes one medium doesn't work, and you transition to another medium. In the era that we live in, uh, that's actually very common. People go from podcast mm-hmm. to book or book, book to podcast or whatnot. But there is going to be a need of kind of sorting out uh, what it is you hope to achieve with your book. For in the Seven of Cups, we see an individual that is looking up on a cloud, but this cloud is a mirage. And it includes all sorts of great things. It includes castles and gems and wreaths of victory, but it also includes trials and pitfalls, monsters and poisons and serpents. But in the middle, there is a, a figure, a Christ-like figure that is often referred to as the Holy Guardian Angel. But this is veiled. This is the true will. What is it that you truly desire out of this book? Before any type of magical work that you want to do is you need to sort this out, this element of clarity. What is the impact that you hope to make? What, is, what do I mean by this? When you write a book, particularly a book that has a, a, a very clear theme, you need to ask, what is the intervention this book is making, and where is it making it? For example, mm-hmm. are you writing it from the perspective of, of you know, the history of science or the history of, of thought? Are you introducing it into the world of metaphysics? Are you introducing it into the world of you know, cognitive science or, or neuroscience or anthropology or whatnot? So you need to ask yourself and clarify what it is you hope to achieve from the book, what impact you hope to have from it, and where, what are you going to get out of this. This narrowing down is going to help you a lot. It's going to help to focus your magic. It's going to help to focus your energies so that once you achieve this book, it doesn't just float in the air. And that's the big risk that you face is that you can complete the book, but it doesn't click anywhere. It doesn't connect anywhere. It's not networked mm-hmm. into any kind of industry. And so as a result, we'll just kind of float in Amazon in the big old cloud of Amazon without ever truly getting picked up. The next card is the Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel of Fortune says that timing is going to be key. It will take you time to complete this book. It will be a slow-moving process, but mm-hmm. that process is headed in the right direction. The Wheel of Fortune is turning in your favor. You are going to probably keep working on this for several more months. Five chapters is great, but you're going to keep working on it, and you're going to revise, and you're going to perfect it, and that's fine. Steady is Definitely, going to be the yeah. best approach for you, and this is going to be you tapping into that Torah and energy. Work a little bit every day. Work steadily. Don't let yourself uh, you know, fall behind. Don't let it uh, sit behind one of the greatest risks that tourists run is when they become sedentary. A tourist, once they go out to pasture, it's very, very hard to get them to move again. But if the yeah. tourist continues to steadily work on something, they can do that same thing for years on end, and that's a good thing. So the Wheel of Fortune is in your favor. You're going to continue to work in that way. The final card we have is the Queen of Wands. The key to your success and victory, and you will be able to publish this book, is you're going to work with a female, a woman who is going to be an agent of yours. This is a person who's going to be an ally. If you haven't reached out uh, to book agents yet, that's fine. Start to consider some. Uh, you might consider uh, once you've completed it or once you've got some really good chapters uh, to kind of put some feelers out there, people who will help you, uh, industry people. You should be talking to Miss Cat. You might consider hiring her for uh, magical coaching as a published author who has both practical oh, and wow. magical experience. It's a very yeah. smart idea, right? 
um, but mm-hmm. also have someone who is who is going to be in the industry. So either a book agent or some literary agent who can at least give you some assistance here. This isn't someone that you need to bring on full time, but if you do, that's great. But it is someone you should be seeking advice to. That's going to be the key to opening all doors because when we look at the Queen of Wands, she's looking to the future. She's the person that's going to take the project that manifests and put it out there in the world to make it manifest for you, to make it connect, and to make it bring you the type of success and wealth and and recognition that you hope to achieve with it. That's going to be a key cornerstone of your work, and then you're going to complement this with magical work. A little bit of magic along the way. I do see that this can be a relatively successful endeavor for you. Uh, Still, several months out. Be patient with it, but you're headed in the right Mm -hmm. direction. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to uh, Mama E, and then Miss Kat is going to be the person who's going to give you a consultation. Okay. Hi, Hi, Um, Keith. In your case, hey, in your case, I started by pulling three cards, and then I was so curious, I pulled three more underneath. So the first card that came up is the hangman. And um, the hangman, uh, like the reader, the client before, came got the hangman too. In your case, I feel that you might be too focused on the way you're going to write your book. And... That's definitely true. Yeah, it's keeping you in one place. It's keeping you in your mindset, and this is the way I'm going to write it, and this is the way I'm going to finish it. However, if you continue thinking that only your way is the right way, your project might fail. Because underneath that, I've got the tower, and the tower is an end to something and a new beginning. Now, having said that, I call the King of Swords. To me, the King of Swords is all about communication. You know, swords are air, communication. And I feel that you need to talk to some experience, either agent like uh, Conjure Manalee said or a publisher or someone that can evaluate what you have so far and possibly giving you, give you a little bit of advice as to how to go from there on. Um, this book is not going to be easy. Uh, I get the five of ones, and that's like a bunch of people there throwing stuff at you, and you're trying to manage it. However, Mm -hmm. it will be successful, but it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to take a while, and you have to listen to people with more experience so you can possibly tweak some chapters, some things, some concepts, and listen to them. Now, finally, the last card where the sixth one, which is the triumph, is the one that has uh, the man coming from war riding on the horse and holding a pennant. That's a triumph. And underneath that, the three of cups, which is a celebration. So you will get through your uh, project. It's going to take a while, and you have to listen to others that have more experience refocus your energy into something that will definitely sell. Okay? So that's, Absolutely. that's my Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank All you. Right. Wow. That's, you're welcome. Okay. That's very interesting that both of them said that you need to consult with somebody. Ali yeah. said a female agent and um, and Mama E said a male, probably a publisher, 
And uh, I think those are both very good ideas. I'm going to give you a suggestion as a writer before I get into any root work. Do you have a table of contents? Uh, I have a skeleton of that. Okay. I mean a table of contents. I mean a table of contents. And do you have a page count that you're aiming for? Yeah, 150 pages. Okay. All books are published in multiples of 16, so find the nearest one that will go into 150. There are no 150-page books. There are always going to be a multiple of 16 because of the way the paper is folded. Um, you're, okay. not going to fill, you're not going to fill all of those pages. There will be a title page. There will be the indicia. There will be dedication, whatever. So you mm-hmm. want to give about six pages less than the multiple of 16 you have selected. That will make your um, publisher very glad. It will also help in finding a publisher, if you understand how many words they intend to put on a page, if it's going to be a little gift book, it'll have 200 words a page. If it's going to be a uh, five and a half, eight and a half, it might have 300 words on a page. If it's going to be a eleven by um, uh, eight and a half by eleven book, it might have 400 or 500 words on a page. What depends on the point size. So think about those things. Look up online. You don't need me to do it for you. Look up online common word counts and common page layouts. If you're going to publish it yourself, be very careful that you don't just send it to someone of these, what I would call vanity publishers or these self-publishing outfits like CreateSpace. They'll just spew it out with great gaps of air and blank pages because, hey, they get paid by the page. And if your work doesn't fit right, Mm -hmm. they're not going to put Mm -hmm. 12 extra blank pages at the end. They're going to put blank pages all through your book. I mean, it'll look terrible. So you want to think about layout. before you actually even present this. I'm not saying everyone's a typesetter. I'm just saying think about what you're offering. Number two, okay. and again, this is practical advice. Just I'll get to the magic in a moment. Practical advice. I want you to go around. If you want a publisher and are not intending to publish it yourself, look at all of the publishers, go to their websites, and see about how they wish manuscripts to be submitted. Even if you don't submit to them, you'll get the lay of the land and understand. If you're going to do your own publishing, places like Lulu and CreateSpace are great. If you can give them a tight manuscript, it'll look good. If you can't, it'll look lousy and won't sell okay. well. So be careful on that. Um, they're, they're a good way to work. Unfortunately, because they're print-on-demand, the, the price per book will be very, very high. So that a book that I can sell for $9 a copy, which um, because I'm printing um, 2,000 copies at a time, would print mm-hmm. and sell for $17 a copy, same book, because they're printing on demand. They It's not as efficient. So you want a place, if you're going to go to a publisher, you want someone who will give you a good royalty. End of story. If you want a consultation with me about the business of book publishing, you can pay me for a half-hour consultation. I'll give it to you. Now, let's go to magic. So, um, yeah, remember royalty, and remember you live on your royalty for the rest of your life. It's called residual income. Um, So, what I'd like to recommend is some very simple work that I have done and that I do with others, and I do it with myself. When I'm working on a book, of course, nowadays I'm working in the computer. And so in order to be aware of what I'm doing, I tend to have little, what I would call little setups or layouts that are magical in front of me at the base of my computer. Um, I will have a certain stone or a certain ring. Like right now I'm working on a book and I have this ring and it's a 
lemon quartz and it's in sterling silver. And this ring represents, I am working on this particular book. It happens to be The Guiding Light, um, uh, expanded edition of an old book. But this ring is here. I will, I will put this ring on. I will wear it while I'm typing. I will take it off and leave it at my computer while I'm working. This ring says, I am still working. Now, I tend to use rings. I also use necklaces. Um, and I put them under the computer, at the computer, as a marker that that I am still working on this book. I recommend this so highly. Now, if you want to take it to another level, kiss the ring, or I'm holding it in my hand now, hold it in your hand, put it in pray. I use rings because they're small, but I've also, like I said, I've used necklaces, bracelets, different things like that, or a crystal ball, a small ball, some little charm um, that I get to know. I have here a little um, Vietnamese charm in the form of a pelican on its nest. It's made of copper. It's beautiful. It just fits in your hand when you hold it. I've used this through many, many, many books. <clears throat> I, I always, It's always there. It's always <clears throat> excuse me, saying, you're writing. You're writing a book. I have no idea what's inside of it. It's sealed with tree sap. I have no idea what's inside of it. <clears throat> so these are, these are talismanic <clears throat> reminders that you're writing. John Steinbeck, I believe, was the one who sharpened a pencil every morning and put the pencil in there, and then he used that pencil. So these are talismans. And then, as you work, I want you to use some of the herbs that are used for clear thought and communication. Deer's tongue is used that way. You can mm-hmm. also um, use bay leaf and in the Six of Wands, which was represented by one of the cards that Mama E had. You would... Um, Bay leaf is used on that card to represent victory. And so you would have um, a victory, and you would be showing that um, bay leaf is important to your thought process. And bay leaf is also used in that card of the too many choices that Kanjmanali said. So bay leaf and deer's tongue. And there are other things that are used for intellect. I would say that if this is about the mind, you would want to use any kind of an herb that has the idea of mental strength and mental health, mental help. And also you're going to bring a bit of a perception. We had St. Lucy earlier, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe you're going to make yourself some St. Lucy buns with raisins for the eyes. I don't know. <laughs> and then as oh, well. you work, as you work, you're going to print out chapters. I read through them because you're going to, you need markup copies. Don't try to do your markup on screen. It never works does not work. You're going to print out copies on paper and you're going to do your markup on paper. Use a red pen. Um, And those papers, those markup copies, um, before you mark them up, you have to sleep for one night, 24 hours. So you're going to print out a chapter. That's going to be your markup copy. Lay it down. You can put over it a plate. On that plate, you can put um, an offering. You can light a little candle on a stand on the plate, but not a big candle. And then let it go for one night, and then in the morning, read that and mark it up. Okay, that is what I do to make my book successful. Awesome. All right, I hope that was able to help. <clears throat> and if you need more help, like I said, you can always consult with any one of us who are writers. All right, well, now we're going to go to our technical, fabulous, um, wonderful, automated section of our show. <laughs> The 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for a free spell segment with Mama E of ConjureDoctor.com in Los Angeles, California. Take it away, Mama E. Thank you. Well, this is a spell to increase psychic vision. Although uh, St. Lucy is always thought of as healing eyes, she can also be used to increase your sight. And in this case, it's going to be your psychic sight. So here's what you will need. You will need a small plate, two white six-inch candles, a bottle of vision oil, half an ounce of anise seeds, half an ounce of mugwort, half an ounce of frankincense, and half an ounce of myrrh. Now, these don't have to be exact, but like a tablespoon would do. Then you need an incense burner, and you need some of that quick light incense charcoal and a lighter, and some sand for the bottom of the incense burner. So what you do is you anoint the two candles from the base to the tip with the vision oil. Place them on the white plate next to each other, leaving about three inches between them, and they will represent St. Lucy's eyes. Now make an incense mix with all the things I mentioned before, the anise, the mugwort, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And then prepare the incense burner by placing sand at the bottom, light the charcoal, and lay it on the sand. Add the incense mix a little bit at a time. You do not want too much to allow oxygen for burning. You don't want to drown that charcoal. Now, lower the lights in the room. And you can either sit at a table or your altar. I place the plate with the candles on the surface closer to me, and then I place the incense burner behind the plate a little bit further away. And then light the two white candles. Now use the vision oil to dab your third eye on your forehead and focus on the candles as they burn. Allow the incense to surround you and meditate while asking St. Lucy to assist you. Improve and expand your psychic vision. Your own words are sufficient for this. And this can be done once a week if you're really trying to improve your psychic vision or whenever you feel that you're failing and you're not seeing what you need to see. So this is a simple spell. Uh, to improve your vision and meditate on it and hope St. Lucy works with you too. That's it. What a beautiful, beautiful spell. 
Um, that's just so thorough and so well done. Thank you very much. Um, I also, like I said, in the chat, I want to give a shout out to Papa Newt who found the URLs for all that stuff too and posted them <laughs> in the chat log. What a great guy Papa Newt is. This reminds me in some ways of a psychic vision um, spell that I have used. I would not use the mugwort, and I'm just going to warn that some people are allergic to mugwort. Okay, so if you are, mm-hmm. you can leave it out. I leave it out, but it's right. still beautiful with or without the mugwort. And mm-hmm. um, mugwort is a psychotropic drug in some ways, very very mild, um, and it uh, it has mental effects, which is why people use it for psychic vision. <clears throat> I will also say that the um, the thujones in mugwort are similar to the uh, cannabinoids in marijuana, and I know people who would add marijuana to that mix, and I have nothing to say against that either. I know people who would substitute marijuana for the mugwort. I have nothing to say mm. against that either. Um, mm-hmm. These are all herbs that, you know, we need not be ashamed of an herb having a psychotropic effect. Mugwort does. Marijuana does. Marijuana is stronger. Use less. Mm-hmm. Okay? Use mm-hmm. less. Because right. we don't want you just to get stoned and see pretty pictures. This is about <laughs> increasing your psychic vision. But the use of psychotropics in psychic vision spells is well known. And don't think that, oh, just because it's mugwort, it's an old European herb, that it isn't psychotropic. Because it is. Okay? <laughs> I love you, Mommy. I mean, you put that in there, and I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. Um, Myrrh is also psychotropic. Myrrh is an opioid, okay? So having said my little bit for um, psychotropic drugs, and you can all read about them and their use in magic, there is something to be said for the use of those to loosen up your head. Uh, Wouldn't Mm. you agree, Countryman Ali? Yeah, I was also going to mention what's particularly fascinating here is the way in which uh, St. Lucy, who's you called upon for clarity of vision, is now being called upon for psychic vision, uh, and that's mm-hmm. actually quite—that's actually quite old. This this motif that uh, psychic vision involves clarity, right? So mm-hmm. We often talk about uh, psychic abilities as sort of something you develop, right? Like you have to train or something. But there's actually a much older tradition in which it, psychicism or or any of those abilities comes with clarity of the mind, clarity of sight. So there's a real kind of like calling upon saints that help vision or also calling on people who will help you develop those psychic abilities. A very kind of older way of working, an older tradition, but very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, Luminaria Star suggested eyebright as an herb for those who are not interested in psychotropics, and that's mm-hmm. true, it is not psychotropic. And um, and also blue vervain, and um, and Nagashiva in the chat suggested um, uh, Santa Lucia or Saint Lucy oil, all of these things, vision oil, and maybe adding clarity oil as well. But but this is all covered by what Ali was saying, which is that there are two parts to psychic vision. There's the vision part and the psychic part, and mm-hmm. people, uh, depending on their own gifts, may be more motivated to look within and blur the the material horizon, so to speak, so that they can make that 
leap into the other world, the shamanistic leap, you might call it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are other people who say, no, no, I will never do that. I don't do that. That doesn't work for me. I simply look as if I had a telescope, whatever. And Santa Clara, St. Clair, mm-hmm. is also the saint of far- clairvoyance. And so if you're mm-hmm. leaning more toward clairvoyant psychic vision, you might want St. Clair oil and some of the herbs associated with clarity. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. This is a wonderful spell. It's adaptable to many ways of working. And um, thank you very much, Mama E, because you opened up a whole horizon, a whole spell family with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um now, I believe it's time for Papa Newt to take a leisurely stroll through our closing announcements. <laughs> and um, and we'll all come back and say goodbye. Go ahead, Papa Newt. Yeah, and, and thank you, Mama <clears throat> E of ConjureDoctor.com in Los Angeles, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when we will have a very special guest joining us, Stuart Palm of StuartPalm.com in Hong Kong, bringing us the topic on magic from Hong Kong. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rupert Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forest Hill, California. You can find Ms. Cat via the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com and Contramentally at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining you from papanewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rupert Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Papa Newt. And I just had to say, make a little shout-out to folks in the chat room, Tony I. This show is for you. <laughs> Not only are you Italian and you use the name EYE, your little avatar shows you covering your eyes with your fingers. <laughs> dedicated to Tony I. All right. <laughs> well, um, I hope that next week we will uh, be bringing you a very unusual show with Stuart Palm and Magic from Hong Kong. Looking forward to that a lot. Um, it's going to be something a little different because he's going to be up at some strange hour of the day or night in the day ahead of us. Wow. But we hope to make it all work. <laughs> all right. Um, thank you all very much. Thank you, Conjurman Ali. Thank you, Papa New. Always a pleasure. And thank you, Mama E. Thank I have you. Say good night. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.